Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and my guest today is Kirk Woundy, Director of Strategy and Operations for the Colorado Springs affiliate of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, also known as NAMI. Thank you, so thank you for having me today, Kirk. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing the ins and outs of NAMI and how they are putting American Rescue Plan Act grant funds to good use in the community. Uh, but first, if you're interested in more stories about ARPA funding throughout El Paso County or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into it, Kirk. Again, I appreciate you being here. And I was wondering if you could start by sharing with us a bit of background about NAMI. Uh, how long have you guys been in El the El Paso County region? And what is your main mission? NAMI has been in El Paso County for almost 40 years. Next year will be our 40th anniversary. Uh, established here in 1983 by a, a couple of local women who were uh, trying to seek more support and understanding as they tried to adapt to life with adult children who were living with mental illness. Um, and the uh, affiliate has kind of just, you know, grown from there. Our main mission is to educate, support, and advocate for people and families who are living with mental health, mental health conditions uh, in the Pikes Peak region. Great. And approximately how many people do you serve in this region and uh, what communities do you serve? So we have a number of different types of programs. Um, all told, you know, we'll have um, more than 3,000 kind of really meaningful interactions with local people in any given year. Um, we serve uh, a few hundred people every year with multi-week education programs. Uh, these are people who either live with mental health conditions themselves or uh, who have a family member uh, who lives with mental health condition. Um, and then we see more than um, 1,500 heads in a given year in, in a support group. Um, again, they divide kind of along the same lines um, with family members and then with individuals who, who live with mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, we do presentations for hundreds of people in the community every year. And then we also answer probably about 1,500 calls for resources and referrals and other types of support at our office in Southeast Colorado Springs. Uh, so can you talk a bit about how important it is for NAMI to be considered a pillar within the community? I mean, why is it important for you guys uh, to be known as someone that people can turn to in their times of need? It's mostly just important that people know that there's someone to turn to when they're experiencing, you know, a mental health challenge. Um, you know, especially severe mental illness can be really isolating, um, you know, for the person experiencing it and for the family members, you know, who are trying to help but maybe just don't know how. So we like to talk about ourselves as being kind of a first point of contact or a point of entry for people who are maybe trying to get a sense of not just what's happening, you know, to themselves or their loved ones, but also what it means, like where they need to go kind of in our mental health care system um, to get support because, you know, it's it's not something that a lot of us get an education in in any formal way. It's not something people often will talk about with friends or family. Um, so for us, just being able to communicate to people that there's a place to go when, you know, their world maybe starts turning upside down a little bit, um, that's that's kind of what we're here for. That's that's what makes us feel like we're we're doing work that needs to be done. And, you know, we've been able to talk to a, a number of organizations at this point 
uh, you know, we've got food banks who offer, uh, you know, food to people who offer education on, you know, how uh, to cook nutritious food and, you know, things like that, where I think it's a little bit easier to identify that need and, and serve that need. Why is, uh, is working in an arena like this where you are servicing those uh, who need help with uh, mental health conditions or the like mental illnesses, how is that different? And how do you guys approach that? It's, I think what's, what makes it difficult sometimes for people is that they don't really know, like we, we work in what we consider peer support. And while peer support is getting more well-known and, and becoming more widely kind of accepted and appreciated, again, a lot of people just don't really know what it means. So this whole idea that you can come to a place or call a place and, you know, access someone or access a community of people who kind of understand what it is that you're going through because they've lived it, um, you know, that's that's something that um, I think a lot of people don't really realize is out there and certainly don't realize can be an incredibly influential and positive element to recovery from, you know, a, a mental health challenge. And a lot of people don't really even recognize that recovery is possible, right? I think there's, there's a great fear out there around a lot of mental health conditions um, that, you know, oh, geez, if, if I am diagnosed with something or if I experience something that, you know, I'm going to be sort of compromised forever. Um, and, you know, the fact is that there's a huge spectrum when it comes to, to mental health conditions. And, you know, people move along that spectrum. And our, our goal is to help people kind of move toward wellness and maintain wellness um, the best way that, that they possibly can and with, you know, whatever kind of support they need to, to help them get there and stay there. That's great. And so I wanted to get a little bit more into the ARPA side of things and the, and the programs involved there. Uh, so after submitting your grant request to the county, which every organization did that received a, a grant uh, from El Paso County, uh, NAMI was awarded a very specific amount, <laughs> $154,580 of ARPA funding. Uh, so can you talk to me a bit about what that money has gone to fund? Sure. Yeah. The, the, the number was specific, I think, because we were looking at um, some pretty specific costs. You know, one, one element of our proposal was to fund um, rental costs for some office space that uh, we were planning to kind of move into. We're, we're in the process of doubling our office space uh, down here in the Silver Key Senior Services Complex in Southeast Colorado Springs. Um, and, you know, we knew our our rent uh, number and said, okay, well, let's, uh, let's think about what it's going to take to, um, to double it. And uh, we felt really, um, really just grateful that the county saw that as, uh, as something that was worth funding. You know, we're looking forward to using that space to do a lot of different things that we've not been able to do here in our, our small office to date. Um, you know, roll out some new programs, um, and just have a, a really robust uh, place for people to potentially drop into and, and get services from um, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Um, the other piece of what we asked for was um, was for was to fund a position, a programs position um, that would allow us to, um, to manage the support groups, uh, the the education classes that we do, the presentations, you know, all of which are, are offered to the community at no cost, um, to continue doing those things while also 
kind of creating some of these additional programs or partnership opportunities that really um, are meant to kind of uh, address where we are as a community right now in terms of mental health. You know, the the COVID-19 pandemic, um, I don't have to tell you or anybody who's listening to this, uh, was really hard on people. And um, we're still kind of figuring out what the after effects are. And uh, we wanted to be in a position where we could um, kind of adapt quickly um, and intelligently and in a community-informed way to um, answer the needs, you know, that come from a, a community this big going through something that's that um, transformational, you know, for for better or worse. And many times, many cases, it's been worse. So, um, so yeah, it's it was a huge part of our looking at where we were um, in, in 2020, 2021 and saying, um, we need to be there for people and, and here's how we can do it. Um, you know, that the county came and, and came alongside us and that is just a huge blessing. So you mentioned doubling the space that you have now to allow you to offer new and different programs. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what those programs are and uh, how they serve uh, those that uh, take advantage of those? Sure, yeah. And um, to be clear, we are uh, just in the process now. We've, we've managed to uh, put this project out to bid. Um, we got the funding that we needed to actually um, do the construction work, um, you know, which is a, a pretty substantial bit of funding um, just because the construction costs right now are, are really high. Yeah, uh, sure. and it's kind of a complex project. So um, we are uh, in the next few months going to be actually seeing the work happen. And then from there, um, once we have this space, one of the main things that we're looking to do with it is to start a peer support uh, ser- services program uh, where we have trained, certified peer support specialists who are working one-on-one with people who are experiencing mental health challenges, maybe doing groups with, um, with people who are in that boat as well. Um, you know, this would be a, a kind of a different model uh, than what we've done in the past where, you know, we're used to offering classes and groups at a specific time on a specific day um, and, and, you know, having people come and access those kind of as they are, as they've been established, as they've been, uh, you know, seen to be evidence-based. This is going to be a little bit more freeform where, you know, we have these, these more kind of intimate peer relationships um, where there's a real sense of someone walking alongside that person um, who's, you know, trying to uh, get to a place of recovery uh, as they experience mental health challenges. Um, you know, they're going to be good days. They're going to be bad days. We want to be able to be there, you know, for both and to really help people uh, get farther along that spectrum I mentioned earlier, you know, stabilize and then hopefully get to a place where they can really give back to the community, to their family, um, and maybe even, you know, to our organization if they decide that, that they want to, to volunteer or do something kind of within the NAMI realm. Now, I've been uh, able to do this podcast for about three months now, and I've been able to speak to a lot of organizations. And I think uh, one of the main things I've learned that, honestly, I wasn't aware of before is no nonprofit is an island under themselves. Uh, They work together with a number of different organizations within their community uh, to accomplish the things they're trying to do. Uh, So for you guys, uh, how how has working with other uh, nonprofit organizations in the area uh, benefited the programs that you're working on? It's huge for us. You know, we're a small operation. Um, I mentioned earlier that we we are a tenant of Silver Key. Um, you know, we have space in there 
in their complex. Um, and being so close to their operation has been um, really important to us. You know, we share space. We kind of go in together on some trainings. We've been working on a, a program whereby um, we've got folks who are training their um, senior caregivers and mental health first aid to be able to recognize signs and symptoms um, of you know mental health conditions in in people um, you know who are maybe a little bit older and um, <clears throat> you know who, who maybe wouldn't be accessing mental health care themselves, but you know could really use somebody to kind of keep an eye out for that. Um, we also recently started a partnership with Diversus and Pikes Peak Suicide Prevention Partnership, uh, where we're going into schools and and uh, doing a presentation kind of on um, mental health, self-care, um, uh, what it looks like to get peer support kind of as a teenager, and then also where to go to access resources if, if things um, worsen and, and it seems like, you know, there's a, a higher level of care that's needed. Um, we uh, bring our programs to the community as well. Um, and so we partner with a number of different organizations to, um, to try to you know, be in neighborhoods where we can be most accessible to people who need our services. So recently we started um, offering a class at the Family Success Center through a partnership with Harrison School District 2 and Pikes Peak United Way. Um, you know, and I know that's another ARPA-funded effort. Um, and so it's great that we've been able to kind of, um, you know, work together to bring things to fruition that, you know, maybe even 18 months ago, uh, we just didn't see coming. Yeah, that's really great. And again, working with nonprofits in the area, really important to have that collaboration. Uh, and I actually had the opportunity to speak with the El Paso County coroner a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Leon Kelly, who in fact is the president of this, uh, this affiliate chapter in Colorado Springs of NAMI. What does it mean to have someone like Dr. Kelly in that position and advocating for the work that you guys do? It's been really transformative, I would say, to have Dr. Kelly join our board and then, and then take on a leadership role as board president. He's, he's somebody who sees kind of the, the worst um, effects of, well, a number of, of societal problems, but certainly mental health uh, conditions or mental illness, you know, being among them. And he joined NAMI because he felt like if we could get upstream uh, from some of what he sees, um, you know, from some of the issues related to, say, substance use, um, or, you know, isolation, homelessness, um, that, you know, we could do some things to, to really move the needle um, on, you know, some, some big problems in the community. And to have someone who has kind of his credibility, um, you know, someone that, that people understand, like, sees, you know, the worst of the worst, um, to have him come in and say, this is an organization that I think can really make a big difference, um, you know, especially where we're a small organization, you know, I, I, I just think it, it communicates a lot to people um, who rightfully, you know, take what he says and uh, very seriously. Um, we're just, we're extremely grateful to, to have him, um, you know, on our team. And he's just, he's an inspirational leader as well. Uh, I can't say enough about how important it's been, what a blessing it's been to, to kind of have him working with us and, and helping to chart the course for this organization moving forward. 
That's great. And one thing that I also like to ask, and, you know, certainly understanding, wanting, wanting to be careful sharing people's information, I, I think it's just really important to try and emphasize personal stories uh, that you've been able to experience as a part of this organization. You know, a lot of people can just see a name of an organization, oh, they do good things, that's nice, but until they can, you know, hear a story or try and connect it to themselves and see, you know, what, they, what it would be like for them in that situation, right? It's really hard to get a good grasp of things. So is there uh, some type of personal story that you'd be able to share uh, to help illustrate that for those that are listening? Yeah, you know, we talk here about trying to help people move through kind of a cycle um, of surviving and then strengthening and then giving back. And so, you know, we work with um, more than 80 volunteers who help us to fulfill our mission. You know, they uh, teach our classes, they lead our support groups, they work in our office. Um, and there is actually one guy who does all of those things, takes on all of those volunteer roles and more. Um, you know, he came to us a few years ago as someone who had hit, I don't want to say rock bottom, but he had had been unable to um, maintain a job uh, due to his mental health condition, um, was really having a hard time kind of feeling stable and feeling hopeful um, and, you know, started in a role where he was answering phones on, you know, a Friday afternoon um, and found that in sharing some of his experiences as people called, like he could really help people. And it just has opened up, um, it's opened him up in a way that I don't think um, any of us could have foreseen. Um, you know, he is leading classes, he's teaching groups, he's giving presentations, uh, he's actually training now to become a peer support specialist, um, you know, where he would work, say, 20 hours a week, um, again, one-on-one -on -one or working with groups of people, drawing upon that kind of experience that he has um, to help people realize that, again, you know, it, as as low as things may seem, you know, at any, any given moment, like there is a path to feeling better. There is a path to recovery and, and there's a path to to really giving back in a way that I think can seem almost inconceivable when you're really, you know, at, at kind of a low point. So, um, you know, he's somebody that that is, you know, very much a part of of our team here. Um, he's more than, you know, just a a success story to us. Um, you know, he's, he's, um, he's somebody we learn from. He's kind of an inspiration to us. Um, but, um, he's also just a, he's just a really good guy who's finally, you know, being able to enjoy more of his life. And it, it just makes, um, it makes all of us feel, you know, like we're very fortunate to kind of have him with us. Um, and also, you know, excited to see what he's going to do in the future. Yeah, that, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate that. Um, so we talked about some of the programs that will be benefit from that ARPA grant funding. Uh, are there any other programs that NAMI offers that you feel would be important for listeners to know about? I think one program that we help with that, um, that really resonates with a lot of people, um, especially in this community, is related to um, our law enforcement. So you know, we, we help the sheriff's office in El Paso County and also the Colorado Springs Police Department um, with their crisis intervention team trainings. Uh, they do um, at least two or three of these every year, sometimes four in a year. 
where officers will go through 40 hours of a really intense, intensive training um, to kind of better understand mental health conditions and what people who are going through a mental health crisis might be experiencing um, so they can provide kind of the, the most effective and empathetic response um, in those moments. And, um, you know, we've had officers talk about that training being something that has completely altered the way that they will respond to a given call. Um, it's, it's incredibly important for, you know, our, the families that we work with um, to know that, you know, there's, there's a chance that if they call for help, um, you know, they will find someone kind of on the receiving end who, who is patient and won't react um, you know, maybe in such a way that it escalates the situation further. Um, these are complex conditions. They're complex situations that, that these officers will find themselves in. So we're, we're really proud and thankful that we get to be a part of a program that has been used across the country, you know, in various communities, counties, cities, um, and that really continues to prove effective in helping people um, get through some of the, the worst moments of their lives um, you know, with, with safety and, um, and that helps officers, you know, kind of best respond to these situations too, to protect their, their own safety and to feel like they're really doing the kind of work that, um, that keeps people moving forward and, and that, you know, deescalates a crisis, you know, rather than, than blows up into something that, that no one ever wants to see. Yeah, I, I I really like that. And, one thing I think would be important to uh, talk about as well is I think that most of the time, you know, I, I can't speak for every everybody or every situation, right? But I think that most of the time when people are experiencing this, they feel like it's hard for people to understand, right? They feel like, you know, no nobody gets it. Nobody, you know, understands where they're coming from. Um, you know, it, it, it feels, it feels lonely, right? And it feels like something that is hard to get out of, uh, as someone who has, has been here for a while and has had a chance to speak to speak to those people, how important is it, is it to have people in the organization who have been through it, who can understand it and who can say, I don't understand your specific situation, but I understand what that feels like and helping to talk them through that. Yeah, I think it's everything. Um, you know, it's, it takes a lot for most of us to, um, to get to a point where we can speak openly about, you know, things that are going on inside our minds or inside our families and, um, and the risk you know, you feel that that vulnerability when you first share. And, you know, for a lot of people, it doesn't take much, you know, it, it might take months to get or even years to get to a point where you say something. And then if what you get, um, you know, in response is a feeling of rejection, or, you know, in the case of seeking care, if, if you get, um, you know, kind of put off and say, well, we don't have any openings, you know, you have to wait three months before you see somebody, um, you know, it can just be like, why, why, why bother, you know, um, you know, so I think for us to be able to be kind of on call in a way, um, for people and just to, for, 
to, to be able to communicate to people that whenever they're ready, you know, we're here and that if they call, they will reach a peer. Um, I think is just something that it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, put a price tag on, not to, not to use the cliche, but right, right. It, it's hard to um, kind of overestimate what that might mean to someone, you know, at that particularly vulnerable time. Um, and so, Again, you know, we're all like on staff here. We're all people who uh, either live with a mental health condition or or have family members who do. Um, you know, so from from a staff perspective, you know, that's what you're going to get. Our volunteers are in, very much in the same boat. You know, it's it's almost no matter who picks up the phone. You know, you're going to find somebody here at NAMI who um, can speak from a place of experience and understanding and patience. Um, and you know, I I just I wish that every community had something like that and that it was well known in every community and trusted in every community. Yeah. And I think too, one of the benefits of being in the age we are in is, you know, when, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, I'm sure uh, these things just didn't really exist. Right. Or if they did exist, they weren't really well known. Most of the times things would just get swept under the rug in, in regards uh, to mental illness and, and, looking for that help for that. Uh, I mean, in, in your opinion, why is living in today's world, despite, you know, all the other challenges that come along from, you know, <laughs> from 30 years ago to now, why is being where we are today uh, such a benefit for uh, those who are seeking help and for NAMI as an organization? I think the younger generations, you know, and I say this as a Gen Xer, like, they're they're pushing this conversation um, in a way that, as you said, didn't happen when I was a kid. Certainly didn't happen when my parents were in their youth. Um, you know, it's it's something you kind of can't you can't just sort of shake off. Now you can't just say, well, you know, yeah, maybe that that affects some people, or you know, it, that's that's not me. It's not my family. It's not my friend group. In any given year, it's one in five of us who will experience a mental health condition. Um, and during COVID, you know, those numbers even went up. Um, it, it, this is something that um, is very much a part of day-to-day life, whether we, you know, like to, to think about it or not, um, because it's going to affect somebody in your circle. And so, um, you know, just kind of knowing that there is a place to, to go to get kind of better educated about it um, and to, to feel like, um, you know, you can ask questions. Like there are no dumb questions at NAMI um, and you'll get an answer. And, you know, with that answer, you will, again, get some empathy and, and you will um, have an opportunity to, you know, plug into a larger community of people who also are looking for answers and, and maybe have through some pretty hard-fought, struggles have come up with some answers themselves. So, um, you know, I think for our time, even though NAMI has been around for, you know, 40 years, even more, 40, 45 years, um, you know, on a national level, uh, it's an organization that in some ways is uniquely suited to this moment. That's great. And for those who are seeking services, who who may be seeking those out, how best can they go about obtaining those services from NAMI? A good place to start course is our website, you know, namicoloradosprings.org. 
Um, you know, there's a list of our programs there. Right on our homepage, there is a, uh, a list of the support groups that we offer every, um, weekly or at least regularly in some cases. Um, you know, some of them are virtual, some of them are in person. We really try to kind of meet people where they are um, and to, to um, provide access to our services, um, you know, even if there are challenges. Uh, Invita is a partner of ours that is able to offer rides, free rides to, to people um, who want to come to support groups. So um, starting with, you know, that homepage and kind of just tooling around our website a little bit is a good place to start. But you can also call our office anytime, um, 719-473-8477. Um, and again, you know, you'll, your call will be answered by um, someone here at our front desk um, who is, is sitting there at the front desk because they want to help and they want to hear stories and share stories and, um, and see if, you know, kind of one person at a time um, you can make this community a little bit of a, a, a better place to be, you know, kind of no matter where you are on that spectrum of mental health. And then if, you know, someone who's listening that your mission speaks to them and they want to get involved. They want to help out and they don't know where to start. Uh, how can they go, uh, go about uh, offering that help for you guys? Again, we are so dependent on volunteers uh, with this model. Um, so I would encourage anybody who's interested to please reach out. Um, you can do it you know, via our website. There's a volunteer tab at the top. Um, you can fill out a, a form there and kind of get the process started that way. Um, or you could call the office um, and ask for Kat, uh, our volunteer manager, um, and she'll be able to kind of talk you through the opportunities and options. You know, it's, it's, um, it could be something as, as big as, again, leading a class or a support group. Um, or it could be something, you know, that's really kind of more entry level, um, like, like being a greeter, um, for those support groups, you know, just working, um, a half hour, you know, a, a couple times a month to, um, to welcome people, kind of check them in, um, you know, and, and you, you can get a good sense too, for kind of the vibe of the programs that way. Um, and just kind of be a part of, you know, the community and see whether, you know, it's, it's the kind of place where, you know, you might like to get more involved, um, you know, we, we have volunteers go out to like health fairs um, and other community events too, to kind of spread the word about NAMI and to interact with people from the community. So there's a lot of different ways um, that you can get involved. And, and uh, if you're all at all interested, um, we definitely encourage you to do so. Right. And then is there anything else that you'd like to add? Anything else about NAMI that you think would be important for listeners to know about? I guess just that we're, you know, we're, we're here um, our goal is really just to, um, walk alongside, uh, you know, and to provide support where we can. This, this organization has grown quite a bit, uh, in the last few years. Um, but it's still got kind of a, a very on the ground, you know, uh, on the front lines, you know, kind of, of feeling to it. Um, you know, you can, you can, um, walk into this office and, and really feel like you are connecting on a, a real personal level um, with the people in it. And, you know, I hope that as we grow, we, we can continue to maintain that because um, I think it's just really important for, um, for people to understand and, and to really feel that they have um, a place to connect and a place to be themselves even, even at times when 
um, you know, being themselves doesn't feel easy. So um, I just, uh, yeah, I appreciate the time, appreciate the opportunity to talk about what we do and what our volunteers do, um, and, and certainly appreciate the, uh, the opportunities that were given uh, through this, this ARPA grant. Yeah, no, thank you, Kirk. I appreciate you taking the time today and for the work that you guys do here at NAMI. So again, thank you for the time. Thank you. And if you are interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, you can search for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.